0: It's time to play like a Jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a Jet, what does that mean? they come on third and five, Wilson. Boy, somehow escapes, he's going to run for it. Plenty of green grass, Wilson stays in bounds, he's still going. And he's in, touchdown. Zach Wilson pulling a magic trick. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Two minutes, Barry. That was Sauce Gardner. Swarmed, swallowed and sacked. Guess who? You only got one guess. Jermaine Johnson. Here's Brees Hall looking for history. Hall with his 24th straight game with a rushing touchdown into the NCAA record books. Listen, thank
2: you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at jet one And it's time for the Jets Vikings postgame report. The Jets lose this one 27-22 in Minnesota in heartbreaking fashion. They had plenty of chances to get out of there with a win today, but unfortunately came up short, and so to break everything down, we bring in our friend who covers the Jets. FriendJay.com, Mr. Andy Vasquez. Andy, rough day today, but on the bright side, it was a dome, so at least you didn't have to sit out in the freezing cold Minnesota air.
3: Yeah, it was nice. We had a good uh, view and and an open press box, so it really felt felt the uh – know emotion and the the noise it's it's obviously a very good atmosphere and a very cool stadium here Um, so to actually feel like you're at the game and among the crowd is is a cool thing and and then we don't get a lot of football writers because usually we're watching games from behind the glass yeah it was a it was a frustrating day for the Jets I think uh, a lot of squandered opportunities I think if they don't make the playoffs they are going to look back at today and some of the things that happened in the final two minutes and, and kind of rue it, but I also think it's confirmation of how good this Jets team can be, and uh, they just went up against one of the better teams in the NFL, one well, of the best teams in the NFL. Looked for much of the game like they were better than them, even though they didn't play their best. So uh, I think that's very encouraging, uh, not even just for this year but beyond. Uh, but I also, you yeah, know, it's, it's a, a win zero sum league, and you got to win games like this, and they didn't. So. I feel like we're going to be looking back on this day A few weeks from now And and it's going to hurt the Jets that they didn't win this one
2: Andy, as you said, the story of this game is squandered opportunities But it's also the fact that the Jets put themselves In a deep hole early in this game The Vikings went to town in the second quarter Scoring 17 points Their offense got rolling. A lot of Delvin Cook. That was really the story of what the Vikings were able to do on offense. And so they were up 20-6 at halftime. The Jets had trouble in the first half generating offense. Mike White got unlucky on the first drive. He had a pass bounce off of Corey Davis, get intercepted. The Jet defense, thankfully, was able to hold the Vikings to a field goal there. But the rest of the way, they weren't so lucky. In the second half, they buckled down a bit. They only allowed seven points But it was seven too many because by the time the Jets got started, they weren't able to generate enough momentum to overtake what the Vikings had done in the first half. And really, Andy, what happened here, and I think this really tells the tale, the two things that the Jets did where they came up short. The first is they settled for field goals far too many times in this game. They got 22 points five field goals, if even one of those field goals winds up a touchdown, we're talking about a different story here. And then, of course, you have the fact that they got down deep into Vikings territory multiple times and were unable to punch it in. In fact, key drive here was not the ending where the Jets were unable to get in. It was the second to last drive. The Jets got another chance because the defense held one last time and they were able to get the ball back with a minute 30 inside the Minnesota 43-yard line. But before that, the Jets got all the way down inside the one-yard line. Bam Knight had punched them down inside the one On a first and goal, they had three chances to get in from inside the one, were unable to do it, and that really was the end of things. So we'll get into the bits and pieces here of what happened with the Jets and the Vikings, but in terms of the overview, that's more or less what it was. The Jets weren't able to overcome what they did wrong in the first half, and far too many times, they settled for field goals and weren't able to get into the end zone when they needed to the most.
3: Yeah, there was blame to go around everywhere. The defense wasn't good enough in the first half. and uh, They were great in the second half except for one drive, but like you said, there was one drive they couldn't give up, and it was the, the touchdown to Justin Jefferson. Uh, it was a great play, and, and it was one score too many. And then the offense looked a lot better in the second half uh, after a rough first half, but they just couldn't finish. I mean, every drive, all six drives in the second half, the, the Jets took it into the red zone, and they got – they came away with a 16 points. Uh, that's not good enough. It's three field goals, one touchdown. Uh, twice they're inside the 10. I think three times they're inside the 10 and they scored one touchdown. That's not good enough. Um, and it's kind of why it was a weird vibe in the locker room after this game because, I mean, there's no one to blame. I mean, there's it, it, everyone to blame. Uh, the offense didn't carry its weight at, at crucial times. And I think um, we can go over that play, that fourth down play um, on that second to last drive and kind of look at, you know, there are play calling issues, there are execution issues. Um, it's not a simple thing to blame. I think everybody was kind of to blame for, for what happened today. So, um, I mean, in in that sense, it's, it's good because there's room for improvement for everybody, but it's also like they they have a lot of stuff to fix it and they have to fix, you know, some of it. Um, Quickly, because they're playing uh, the best team in the division on Sunday, and, and now the stakes for that game are, are very high. With um, you know their playoff hopes kind of taking a hit today.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment.
4: Play like a jet,
2: play like a jet Andy, the Jets did get lucky in terms of their playoff hopes though The Raiders did them a favor, knocking off the Chargers So the Chargers remain a game behind We know that the Bills had already beaten the Patriots on Thursday So the Patriots remain a game behind The Browns and the Raiders now two games behind So if the Jets are able to win three of their last five Which is going to be a tough task Because they've got three road games against three Probable playoff teams coming up If they're able to win at least one of those and two home games they have remaining Against the Lions and the Jaguars They probably get in based on the lead they have But it remains to be seen As far as this game, let's start with Mike White You look at the stats, they don't look all that good 31-57, of 57, he did have 369 yards Two interceptions But as we said, the one interception Not really his fault In the first half, on the first drive It bounced off of Corey Davis And the second interception, He was trying at the very end of the game to make something happen in desperation. It got picked off. Can't really kill him. However, there were several other turnover-worthy plays that he made that weren't picked off, so I guess it sort of evens out. He did not have a very good first half, played much better in the second half, but was not able to punch the ball in enough to get the job done here. However, saying all that, Mike White did have enough moments here and did play well enough where he looked at it and said, there's still some promise there. If Mike White were Zach Wilson, meaning if he had been the number two overall pick and this was his sixth ever start, you would look at this and say, okay, the kid's on the right track. So I don't think Mike White did enough today to prove to you that he's the guy, to prove to you that the Jets can bury Zach Wilson's chances in the future, to prove to you that the Jets don't have to go after a veteran who already has a resume like, say, Jimmy G in the offseason, but... He definitely did give you enough To make you think that he should keep the starting job for now And that there might be some hope for him down the line Again, not a great performance But as I said, he did enough here To make you curious about what's to come And he certainly did have his moments He just wasn't able to punch the ball in enough And we'll talk about a couple of other factors That went into why that was Including the play calling Which I think was atrocious We'll talk about that in a bit But Mike White I guess you would say maybe a B- minus today but that's good enough to move the ball forward for him for now
3: Yeah, the Jets lost a close game And you're not sitting here saying the quarterback was the reason they lost him Look, I don't think Mike White was great I don't think he was perfect I think he certainly had um, plenty to do with their struggles in the red zone uh, But also, like He threw for like 300 plus yards for a secondary game Zach Wilson's thrown for 300 yards once in his career Um you know, I think he had the most yards ever in a game for, for someone who hasn't thrown a touchdown for the Jets. Jet. So that's interesting, too, and not a great stat. But the point is he was productive. And if that's, like, the, the, the minimum. Like, he was productive, and he wasn't, like... His turnovers weren't absolute killers. Like you said, one was bad luck, one was forcing the issue at the end of the game. And that, to me, is, like, improvement over what we saw last year from him. Um, you know, I agree with you. I don't think it, you can... Uh, take this and be like he's locked up the job but he's like you can't bench him after this. Um, He's locked it up for another week and if he comes out and has a similar performance in Buffalo and maybe gets into the end zone um, the Jets are going to be in a position where they can potentially win that game so um, and that's what you want so I think it was very encouraging to see Mike White take a big hit there in the fourth quarter on third down, he stays down, it's fourth and ten, the game is basically on the line, I'm pretty sure this was before that, um, that was the second to last drive before the, the issue that they had down at the goal line where they couldn't get in from the one, and he steps up and delivers an absolute bullet to Corey Davis with everything on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tells you everything you need to know about Mike White today. I mean, I think he made, he impressed his teammates with, with the way he stepped up and made plays when it, when it mattered. <laughs> And it would have been easy to kind of bail or, or you know, struggle after what wasn't a very good start.
2: And as we'll talk about later, Andy, when you bring us inside the locker room, Mike White still very much has the locker room on his side. So we will get to that a little bit later. But first, let's talk about the play calling because I discussed that before. Mike LaFleur got a little too cute for his own good many times today. And that, I think, is the primary reason that the Jets kept settling for field goals. He went to Braxton Berrios way too many times. In fact, in that sequence that you talked about, the second to last drive, Bam Knight got it down inside the one on first and goal and instead of continuing to go to the hot hand in Bam Knight, he tried a couple of fancy plays that just didn't work and the Jets were unable to get the ball into the end zone and far too often he was going to plays that were ineffective instead of trying what were high percentage plays. This is sort of one of those games of chess where he tried to outthink his opponent but in the end ended up outthinking himself. This was not Mike LaFleur's finest moments. I know he's been a controversial subject. There are some fans who think he's done a pretty good job. There are others that don't think he's done well at all. Today would be Exhibit A for those that are his detractors, and he's got to do better than this going forward because if he calls plays this poorly down in the red zone in future games, it could spell doom for the Jets here as they continue to try and pursue a playoff spot.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you want to look at the, the third and fourth down play there um, on that drive from inside the one, it, it, that, it ended up being a fade to Garrett Wilson on third down um, that, that Wilson kind of slipped and fell at the line of scrimmage. I'm not 100% sure that wasn't a run pass option and that maybe they shouldn't run the ball there. But um, either way, why have the option on if, if you want to run the ball? And then on fourth down, uh, just look at who was on the field for that play. So you got Corey Davis, uh, Tyler Conklin, Braxton Berrios in the slot. Um, uh, Gosh, why am I forgetting? Garrett Wilson and um, Zonovan Knight. Zonovan Knight was not lined up in the backfield on fourth and one from mm-hmm. the one. He was lined up all the way out to the right. Why? Mm-hmm. Like I don't under and that happened several times, and he's done that several times. I don't like it. Anytime he does it, it never seems to work. Um I, I understand he wants to spread out the defense, but like if you take away the threat completely over, especially at the goal line, it's just like the linebackers knew that, that they had to deal with the receivers and, and they cover them well. And then if you look at that play specifically, uh, we'll get into a little bit of what they put in the locker room now. Uh, Braxton Berrios didn't run the route he was supposed to run that play because he knew the route he was supposed to run that play was going to be covered, which is kind of it's it's an indictment of the play calling Mm -hmm. Uh, he was supposed to cut it in and then cut it back out toward the sideline, but the linebacker was sitting so hard on him uh, there to go back to the outside that Berrios just took the chance and Mike White recognized it and, and they had a chance there to score that touchdown because they improvised, not because of the play call um, you know, white was just a little off and throw and, 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 and burial still could have caught it. And I think they, both of them argued they could have made a better play there, but, but it's just another example of, it just wasn't good enough down there, uh, today. And, and, um, I think again, on that one play, and I think it's an example of every every kind of trip to the red zone, there was multiple factors or there, there, there could have been better execution and there were chances to get stuff done. Um. But also the play calling was an issue It could have been much, much better and It needs to be better than it was today moving forward I don't think there's any doubt about that
2: Andy elsewhere with the team Zonovan Bam Knight with his second start Michael Carter injured 15 carries, 90 yards, 5 catches, 28 yards For the second straight week in his second game as a pro Zonovan Bam Knight had over 100 yards from scrimmage He's now got about 160 yards rushing And 220 yards from scrimmage He looks explosive He was tremendous today And honestly, the way things are breaking down He very well may end up taking Michael Carter's job As A, the feature back the rest of the way And B, the number 2 to Brees Hall next season He just looks more explosive than Michael Carter And he has added an element to this offense That the Jets really needed the last couple of weeks Garrett Wilson My goodness What can you say About this guy Eight catches 162 yards just unstoppable today he was the best receiver on the field which is telling you something because justin jefferson arguably the best wide receiver in the league was on the other side wilson now has 790 yards he's on pace for 1118 yards on the season which would make him the 10th best rookie receiving yards wise in the history of the nfl at least since the merger and by the way if you'll recall. I said that Garrett Wilson should be one of your picks over at prizepicks.com in their daily fantasy matchup against his prizepicks player projection. His player projection was 58 yards. He destroyed that. I took Garrett Wilson as one of my players, and so I ended up winning this week. They give you two to six players to pick. I would suggest taking Wilson again next week, but this week if you took him, you did very well. Remember... If you are able to beat the prize picks player projections with your two to six players you can win up to 25 times the money you put in you don't play against anybody else just against the prize picks player projections you can do football basketball baseball hockey anything you want it's all there prizepicks.com and the prize Picks app just use the promo code plaj and they will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks so if you put in 100 bucks they'll match you 100 bucks you put in 50 bucks they'll match you 50 bucks use the promo code plaj and they will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks Over at prizepicks.com Fantastic day for Wilson Corey Davis did very well too Five catches for 85 yards Including that huge play on the 4th and 10 That you mentioned before Andy On defense we talked about how the Jets got off to a really slow start But they did have their moments Getting in Kirk Cousins' face Quentin Williams, notably, was all over the field again. He had another sack. He's got nine on the season. Very well on his way to becoming the first Jet to have double-digit sacks since Muhammad Wilkerson in 2015. Unfortunately, he left the game in the second half, and we'll talk about that later, Andy, when you go over the injuries. But the story here was that the Jets on defense did very well in the second half, except that one drive. But as my friend Keith Durgan, who I was watching the game with, said, the Jets basically needed to pitch a shutout in the second half. They came close, but close wasn't good enough here, and that's why they weren't able to walk away with the victory. The offense didn't do enough in the first half. The defense struggled too much in the first half to overcome that in the second half. So, Andy, when you talk about who succeeded today, certainly Quinn Williams, more of the same from him. He continued to show you why he's the best player on the team. Zonovan Bam Knight. Really made a strong case for himself to get big-time minutes down the stretch. And Garrett Wilson, I said this after the game, and I firmly believe it. You can argue Al Toon if you want, but I think that he's the best offensive skill position player the Jets have picked since Freeman McNeil in 1981, over 40 years ago. So he is already showing you that he has the potential to be an elite receiver in this league. He's already playing like an elite receiver. And as I said, Justin Jefferson was on the other side. Garrett Wilson outplayed him today, and that's not to say Justin Jefferson did nothing. He had seven catches for 45 yards, including a touchdown. DJ Reed took the hit on that touchdown. He said it was on him. He needs to play better, and we'll get to that later when you bring us inside the locker room. The sauce versus Justin Jefferson matchup that everybody was looking for today. Thought we'd see some fireworks, not quite. Jefferson, certainly well below his season averages, but he was able to get that touchdown late in the game that sealed it for the Vikings. So overall, looking at it from a far above the stadium type of view, that's what you saw from the Jets today in terms of individual performances and storylines.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, first of all, Fam Night was great. Um, and the thing I really like about him, it seems like his athleticism and his... Um, explosiveness, wears on defenses, as good as go on. Both of these games, it's like kind of started slow and then just figured it out as it went on. I think that bodes well for him. Um, anyone who's listening to this podcast knows how I feel about Garrett Wilson. I think he's going to be a superstar and um, he continues to prove it. Um, the third most receiving yards in a game by a Jet rookie ever, most since 1990 when um, I think it was Rob Moore had 175 against the Patriots. So it's it's a very impressive performance from Garrett Wilson. Um, and he came very close to, to getting into the end zone on that long 60-yard pass, along the reception of his career in the fourth quarter as well. Um, and, and yeah, it was, it was definitely an interesting day for, for DJ Reed. Um and Sauce Gardner was they, they played sides like they usually do with Gardner on the left side of the defense, uh, Reed on the right side. Usually that ended up with Reed being on Jefferson. Um, he was on Jefferson, um, in that on the left side of the defense when he scored that touchdown, admitted that he, he got beat. Um, it was a good route by Jefferson. Jefferson was kind of like messed with him at the top of the route, and DJ wasn't sure if he can cut inside or cut outside. He cut outside. Reed recognized it right away, it's printed out there, it was, it was too late. Uh, it was just a great throw and catch. And it's just kind of the cost of doing business when you're uh, playing against a guy who's the best receiver in the NFL or has been for the last couple of uh, months, basically. He's kind of taking it to a, a different level. And I, I think overall it's a win for the Jets defense to hold him to 45 yards, but uh, that still was a huge play. And, and, you know, penalties were an issue, too. On one of those drives in the first quarter, both Scott Gardner and DJ Reed picked up penalties. You can argue there were sticky back, but it was a – the Jets had five penalties in the first quarter and it ended up playing a big role while they were down, um, you know, at 1.20 to 3 in the first half. So, obviously, a great fight to come back. Uh, but too many mistakes early in the game and too many key spots to, to really get the job done, as, you, as you've said, several times.
2: Andy, one thing that we forgot to mention in our haste is that Greg DeLeg Zerline broke the Jets franchise record for longest kick right before the half. He nailed a 60-yarder. Now, it was in a dome, but still incredibly impressive, had fantastic distance, and it broke the previous franchise record, which was held by both Zerline and Chandler Catanzaro, 57 yards. So big day for Greg DeLeg Zerline, just absolutely drilling that 60-yard field goal at the end of the half. Andy, injury-wise, the big one was Quinton Williams coming out of the game late in the second half. What do we know about him and anything else injury-related coming out of this game against the Vikings?
3: Yeah, we didn't get any details on Salo about that or from Salo about that, but I wouldn't be worried. because um, uh, Quinton came back into the game. Everybody finished the game, so um, he seemed fine in the locker room. So I don't know what exactly happened, but we'll probably find out more tomorrow when we follow back up. Um, also, Max Mitchell started the game at left tackle, and George Stan ended up replacing him. The reason uh, was that he was struggling, according to Alba Salah. So there you go there. Uh, not an injury. Interesting, and it's probably what the Jets will roll with moving forward, but we'll have to see. Um, yeah, and as for injuries, uh, DJ Reed also missed his first snap of the season. Um, he went down after a play. This strange situation went down after a play. I think it was in the third quarter. Um, everybody went over, got up to him, and he ended up jogging to the medical tent. I um, missed one snap. The Jets gave up a 38-yard pass on that snap. It was the only snap he's missed this season, by the way. Um, the reason, I asked him about it after the game. He said um, he woke up this morning and felt terrible. He had some sort of you know, coughing situation. and He needed to be on oxygen during the game. and. Um, he just realized that he was so gassed at that point that he, he was looking at the field to, to stay on the field to play. So he went down and basically took himself out of the game for one play. And then I was watching the medical tent as soon as that huge war came up after a long pass down the field. he came running back out of the medical tent and out of the field. So he now played every snap but one this season, but that was obviously a big one again. And still obviously a good performance for him today, given that he wasn't feeling 100%. Um, but um, yeah, just kind of an interesting little dynamic there.
2: Andy, take us inside the locker room You already hinted at what DJ Reed said after the game Regarding his matchups against Justin Jefferson What else do we hear from Reed and everybody else in the locker room?
3: Yeah, Reed was, um, you know, he acknowledged what happened on the touchdown But he also said, and truthfully so, that um, Excuse the French, but I'm going to quote him directly he said he was in Jefferson's shit all day and, and he was um, because, you know, if you hold that guy to 45 yards and, and basically one big play all, all day, it's a pretty big improvement. I will say that every time that, that uh, Jefferson caught the ball, female, he took a huge hit, either from Reed, Whitehead or whatever corner defensive back was in the air. Um, well, Jefferson took exception to this on Twitter and responded like, well, you, you had a safety help all day and all this stuff. Um, Defensive that really. he wasn't doing shit, and Reed said, "Of course, I had safety help. You're the best receiver on your team. That's how it works." Um, good win. Like he, I don't think he was being disrespectful, but it was true. They played him better than most teams have this year. Nothing really wrong with that. Um, but an interesting dynamic. Uh, after the game, Sal talked about how many mistakes they made and, and all facets, and how the story of the game was the red zone stuff. And, and you can one of six uh, touchdowns in the red zone and expect to winning in this league. And, He's right. He also said something interesting and true, like the Vikings have been winning games like this all year. They have. So, but the Jets have been winning games like this too, um, to be honest with you. But today, you know, the Jets are usually when they've won games like this, a team that's making the, the big plays um, when it matters most. Uh, and you know they didn't make it today. Um, I'm trying to think of what else Salah said. He said he's proud of the way the team fought and, and you know, I think that is. There's there's nothing wrong with being proud of, of the way the team fought. With acknowledging that, it, like it's not good enough. Um, like, but it is impressive that they were able to come back from a lot of adversity today and put themselves in a position to beat a team that's now you know ten and two. I do think that that's not something that's like you can just discount and be like they didn't get the job yet. It's not good enough. I do think there's something to be said for that, but but ultimately it wasn't good enough. They didn't get the job done. The fact that they were able to acknowledge that I think is important too. Um, Garrett Wilson said it was a game of inches, and this, that was the perfect example that they need to turn three into six. They need to find a way to do it against Buffalo. They, he kind of hinted that they were there was some stuff that they weren't prepared for. They didn't deal with well in the in the. You know, was, they, they didn't look for in their scouting in the red zone. Mike White also hinted at this too, um, which again, it kind of points uh, you toward Mike LaFour and the game plan and, and, you know, not being good enough in terms of adjusting to what they were seeing there. And obviously, it wasn't good enough the second half when you go one of six on trips into the red zone. Uh, Garrett Wilson said they need to be on their details this week. And he had very high praise of Mike White, like over the top, high praise, you know, saying, like, so excited to. You know, he'd run through a wall for me. You know He believes in him. It was It's, it's like, I'll, you'll read more about it tomorrow on MJ.com, but it's just, it, you know, it's the locker room is not leaving any doubt about how they feel about Mike White. Like, they all were impressed with him and the way he put them in a position to win this game. Mike White talked about how there aren't any moral victories, but that he was proud of the team and the way they fought and, and the way they you know, battled through adversity. They said that they needed to battle a little bit harder because it wasn't good enough. He was clearly frustrated with, um, you know, missing the opportunity to Barrios at the end there. Yeah, um, obviously talked about already what happened on that play, and, and he explained it. He said that, you know, the pass needed to be a little bit better and not to make such a tough catch for him. And Barrios said that, you know, he needs to come down with the ball because White put the ball exactly where he needed to, so – um, both guys taking accountability there, which is thing. on both of them. I think the throw could have been better, the catch could have been better. Robert Sala said that after. I mean, sorry, the throw could have been better and the catch could have been better. Robert, Robert Sala even said that they both want to have it back. And I think Michael Ford probably want to have that whole drive or that whole sequence of the goal line back, too. So um, obviously, a lot of room for improvement there. Um, and that was basically the, the main stuff in the locker room. Um, you know, it was a team that felt like they should have won this game, but also understanding it's a tough situation. And um, they put themselves in a tough situation by their poor play early. So, um, you know, they were able to overcome that and give themselves a chance. And it's just a lesson that you, you can't put yourself in that position early.
2: Andy Vasquez, covering the Jets for NJ.com. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the Jets' heartbreaking loss, 27-22 in Minnesota against the Vikings with me. Really appreciate it. The Jets now fall to 7-5, as I mentioned before. They maintain a one-game lead over their two closest adversaries, the New England Patriots, who lost on Thursday to the Buffalo Bills, and the L.A. Chargers, who lost today to the Vegas Raiders. They are also two games ahead of both the Raiders and and the Cleveland Browns, the Browns winning today, and those two teams are 5-7. and seven. So the Jets are going to have to win some games down the stretch here to provide some distance between themselves and the teams behind them. Remember, the Patriots specifically have that tiebreaker over them because the Patriots beat the Jets twice. So this is not going to be easy, but now it's on to Buffalo and the rematch between the Bills and the Jets next week at Orchard Park. Andy is available on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez, and you can read his work at nj.com. You can check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under. Luke Grant has some awesome all 22 breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, teepublic.com. That's T E E We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, bless you, thank you shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. public